Do you know that certain peptides can benefit those with Graves' disease and Hashimoto's? If you want to learn more about how peptides can help with thyroid autoimmunity and other chronic conditions, then you'll want to check out the brand new Peptide Summit hosted by Dr. Jenny Flagar. In fact, peptides play a huge role in helping Dr. Jenny overcome her Hashimoto's condition. To register for the free Peptide Summit, visit saymythyroid.com forward slash peptides. It's very common for people with hyperthyroidism to experience anxiety, and that's why I'm dedicating an episode to this topic. I'll add that while the elevated thyroid hormone levels are usually what's responsible for the anxiety, I'll also be discussing other factors during this episode. And so let's get started. Welcome to the Save My Thyroid podcast, hosted by Dr. Eric Osansky. To stay up to date on the latest thyroid health-related topics, make sure to subscribe on your podcast player. And to get your free thyroid and immune health restoration action points checklist, visit SaveMyThyroidChecklist.com. The following discussion is for educational purposes only and is not intended to diagnose or treat any disease. Please do not apply any of this information without first speaking with your doctor. Now let's head to the show. Welcome back to the Save My Thyroid podcast. This is Dr. Eric Osansky, and in this episode, I'm going to discuss how to overcome anxiety. All right, well, probably to no surprise, we will start by discussing the importance of balancing the thyroid hormone levels. And so in my patient base, I definitely see anxiety more common in hyperthyroidism. However, it can also be a factor with hypothyroidism. And so talking about some of the studies that I came across while doing research on anxiety, one study looked at the psychiatric manifestations of Graves' disease, including anxiety. And while resolving the hyperthyroidism associated with this condition may help, The authors also mentioned that a substantial number of patients have anxiety even after successful treatment of hyperthyroidism, and this suggests that there might be other factors involved. And of course, I'll be discussing some of these other factors. However, another study looked at the relationship between anxiety and thyroid function in patients with panic disorder and found that those with more severe panic attacks had a higher TSH and that the severity of anxiety correlated negatively with free T4 levels. So again, in this case, it showed that actually hypothyroidism was more closely associated with anxiety. And yet another study looked at the prevalence of anxiety and depressive symptoms among patients with hypothyroidism and showed that psychiatric comorbidities such as depressive disorder, anxiety disorder, and disturbances in memory and learning are common in patients with hypothyroidism. So either way, whether you have hyperthyroidism or hypothyroidism, it's important to balance the thyroid hormone levels. Uh, even though, as I mentioned, my practice, I see it more commonly in people with hyperthyroidism. But let's discuss other factors which can play a role in anxiety, starting with inflammation. Pro-inflammatory cytokines, these are associated with autoimmune conditions, including Graves' disease, as well as Hashimoto's. But the research also shows that they are present in generalized anxiety disorders, so not just in autoimmune conditions. And some of the research suggests that pro-inflammatory cytokines can cause anxiety by modulating the metabolism of neurotransmitters, which include dopamine and serotonin. Then another study showed that inflammation can affect anxiety-related brain regions, including the amygdala, insula, and anterior cingulate cortex. So the problem is that a lot of things can cause inflammation, and this includes eating inflammatory foods, 
Chronic stress can also be a factor when it comes to inflammation, certain infections, a poor oral health, which a lot of times goes overlooked unless if you go to a dentist. But if you go into a regular functional medicine practitioner, for example, they might not take into account oral health. Environmental toxins also can cause inflammation as well as nutrient deficiencies. And some detective work usually is needed to find the source of the inflammation. It isn't always obvious. Besides inflammation, another factor that can play a role in anxiety and actually a really big factor is gut dysbiosis. So gut dysbiosis is an imbalance of your of your gut flora. So you, you have both uh, good bugs and bad bugs. And sometimes it's not just a matter of having too many good bugs and too many bad bugs, but sometimes you could have too many good bugs. So you could have a conditions such as SIBO, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, where you have an overgrowth of good bacteria in the small intestine. Also candida. A lot of people think of candida being bad, but candida, which candida is a yeast. So let's say candida albicans, you might have a candida albicans overgrowth. So it doesn't mean that you want to eliminate all the candida, but you do want to do things to minimize, to reduce the candida, to stop the overgrowth. Let's dive a little bit into the research when it comes to gut dysbiosis. As in 2009, a journal article was written on the gut-brain axis, and since then there have been other articles that have discussed the connection between the influence of the gut microbiota on the brain, as well as uh, vice versa, the influence on the brain on the gut microbiota. So the microbiota and the brain communicate with each other via various routes, including the immune system, tryptophan metabolism, tryptophan is an amino acid, as well as the vagus nerve and the enteric nervous system. This includes, but isn't limited to the food we eat, stress, infections, gut-disrupting medications. So these are all factors that can cause gut dysbiosis, some antibiotics uh, when it comes to medications. We know antibiotics, but also proton pump inhibitors or acid blockers can cause gut dysbiosis, as well as there are certain chemicals. uh, I mean, we could classify medications as chemicals too, but chemicals such as glyphosate, glyphosate, the active ingredient in the herbicide Roundup. So this also could play a role when it comes to disrupting the gut and causing gut dysbiosis. So in the case of infections, while addressing these can potentially resolve anxiety, it's not always that simple. And same thing if someone has overgrowth of yeast and or bacteria. Again, I mentioned SIBO earlier. So many times addressing the infection or addressing the overgrowth can help to get rid of the person's anxiety, but sometimes you have to go beyond this. An example, if someone, let's say someone has let's say H. pylori, and they're taking, or they have a parasite. So let's say that either way, if someone takes antibiotics for an infection, for a gut infection, let's say, it might get rid of the infection, but keep in mind that the antibiotics will also harm the good bacteria in the gut. So that could compromise the gut, maybe cause inflammation. And I mentioned earlier how inflammation can play a role with when it comes to anxiety. So, and and there are many factors that can affect the gut bacteria early in our lives, as well as in adulthood. So again, if someone wasn't breastfed as a baby, which was the case with me, or if someone was born via a C-section, that could also affect the gut bacteria. And of course, taking antibiotics early in life, that also described me as well. So not only was I not breastfed, but I also had a lot of ear infections growing up. So I took a lot of antibiotics when I was younger. Also, I mentioned SIBO and I mentioned candida overgrowth. And so these 
can potentially be a factor with anxiety, but there's also a question, is this related to inflammations that causes anxiety or is it decreased nutrient absorption? So if someone has SIBO, maybe it's not directly the SIBO, maybe it's SIBO causing inflammation, but it also could be malabsorption due to the SIBO or any other type of gut infection. It might not be the infection per se, but it might be the consequence of decreased nutrient absorption, which is causing problems with anxiety. And then also the neurotransmitters, we also need to keep in mind that even though a lot of not only practitioners, but people, when they think of neurotransmitters, they think of the brain, but most of the neurotransmitters are in the gut. So if you have gut dysbiosis, again, that's going to not only potentially affect nutrient absorption, but also the production of neurotransmitters. And that, of course, can play a role in anxiety. So let's dive a little bit deeper into nutrient deficiencies, specifically some of the nutrients in the research which have shown to play a role in anxiety. So thiamine, which is vitamin B1, this in the research has been used to treat patients with anxiety, and selenium. So selenium, I, I commonly recommend selenium in my patients to help support the immune system, increase glutathione production. And if someone has thyroid eye disease in the research, it shows that thyroid eye disease could benefit from selenium. It might not be the only factor, but definitely could play a role. But a few intervention studies show that selenium can also improve mood and diminish anxiety. And magnesium. So many listening to this understand the importance of magnesium uh, as it has many roles in the body. And since it has a calming effect, it shouldn't be surprising that it can also play a role in helping some people with anxiety. And vitamin D, vitamin D is just amazing, all the research out there. And some research shows that a vitamin D deficiency can also play a role in anxiety. Again, keep in mind, vitamin D, more of a pro-hormone than a vitamin, but either way, it's, uh, yeah, you definitely don't want to have a vitamin D deficiency easy to test for. And just remember again that vitamin D also has anti-inflammatory effects. So the inflammation I mentioned could be a factor with anxiety. So by correcting vitamin D, it can reduce inflammation, but you also need to address any other potential causes of inflammation in the body. And then omega-3 fatty acids. So the research shows that omega-3 fatty acids supplementation can lower anxiety. But again, just maybe like vitamin D, maybe it might accomplish this by reducing inflammation because that's what omega-3 fatty acids can do. And then there's folate as well as SAMe. So there's methylene tetrahydrofolate reductase, also known as MTHFR. So this is a key enzyme involved in the metabolism of folate. And some people have genetic variations of MTHFR, and that includes myself. I have a, a homozygous C677T MTHFR polymorphism. And so I can't say I experience anxiety personally, but having this polymorphism in some people can play a role in anxiety. And both folate and SAMe play an important role in methylation. And methylation, very complex topic, so I'm not going to get into detail here. But I will say that it's important for the production of neurotransmitters, which again, can play a role in anxiety. Some people with an MTHFR polymorphism, again, a polymorphism, that's, um, it's a term for a, a genetic variation. So we, we don't like to use the word, or I don't like to use the word genetic mutation. So a, a polymorphism is a common genetic variation. And so in some people with an MTHFR polymorphism, supplementing with methylated folate or SAMe, or sometimes also methylated B12 also can, can help with anxiety. 
Although it's also worth mentioning that sometimes taking methylated supplements can worsen, can exacerbate a person's anxiety. So that, so you just also need to be cautious there. Let's talk about herbs for anxiety because there are some people that are looking for a quick fix. And so I don't like, of course, the goal is to try to address the cause of the problem. And so I don't like quick fixes, but in some cases, herbs can help while you're addressing other imbalances, under underlying causes. So there's kava. A few studies show that kava can help with generalized anxiety disorder. Ashwagandha. So ashwagandha is an adaptogenic herb, and a few studies show that it can help to reduce stress and anxiety. So just keep in mind, ashwagandha is a member of the nightshade family. And although I've had many people over the years with Graves' disease and Hashimoto's who have done well with ashwagandha, if someone's following a strict autoimmune paleo diet, you might want to be cautious about taking ashwagandha. Rhodiola. So rhodiola, this is another adaptogenic herb, and a few studies show evidence that rhodiola can help with anxiety symptoms. And then there's GABA. So GABA is the primary inhibitory neurotransmitter known to counterbalance the action of the excitatory neurotransmitter glutamate. And a few studies show that it can help with anxiety as well. And there's valerian root. So this herb is commonly used for the treatment of insomnia and anxiety as it modulates the GABA-A receptors. And L-theanine. So one study suggests that chronic L-theanine administration is safe and it has multiple beneficial effects on depressive symptoms, anxiety, as well as sleep disturbance and cognitive impairments in patients with major depressive disorder. However, a more recent study did not support the efficacy of L-theanine in the treatment of anxiety symptoms and generalized anxiety disorder. So a little bit of conflict. I mean, I will say that I've given L-theanine to some of my patients and I've seen some good results with, I can't say 100% of people who I've given L-theanine. I don't think I could say that with any single natural agent, but I do find it to be helpful in, in many cases. And lavender. So a lot of people like to use essential oils and a few studies show that lavender oil can be an effective and well-tolerated alternative to benzodiazepines for reducing generalized anxiety. All right, so let's go ahead and give a few action steps you could take if you're experiencing anxiety. So once again, you want to balance the thyroid hormone levels. If you have hyperthyroidism, you want to do things to lower the thyroid hormone levels. And if you have hypothyroidism, you want to do things to increase the thyroid hormone levels. If you have hypothyroidism because you're taking antithyroid medication, then of course you want to check with the prescribing doctor about getting that decreased. And then you need to do what is necessary to reduce inflammation. So you want to not just take supplements. I did mention things such as vitamin D, omega-3 fatty acids. And, and these could be, this, those might be the main cause. If someone has nutrient deficiencies and that's the, the, the main cause of inflammation, then that's all you might need to do. But if someone has an infection, and maybe on top of that, they also have some nutrient deficiencies. And if all they do is correct the nutrient deficiency, but don't address the infection, or if it's a chemical that they're being exposed to. So either way, you want to try to make sure you find the inflammatory triggers and remove the uh, inflammatory triggers. Improve the health of your gut microbiome. This is also very important to reduce inflammation, but also when it comes to anxiety, you need a healthy gut to produce neurotransmitters, which also play a role in anxiety. You need a healthy gut to, uh, to digest, absorb nutrients, which also could play a role in anxiety. So again, having a healthy gut, very important. 
And I mentioned, again, correcting nutrient deficiencies. So vitamin D, which again, is more of a pro-hormone, but one of the more important deficiencies and most common deficiencies. I also mentioned selenium. I mentioned thiamine earlier and uh, mentioned omega-3 fatty acids. And in some cases, you might want to consider taking herbs initially. So to me, herbs aren't a long-term solution. It's not going, in most cases, it's not going to address the cause of anxiety. Maybe in some cases, uh, if someone, if stress is a big factor, ashwagandha could play a big role, but also you want to do things to improve stress handling skills. So I think either way, you want to focus on the first four action steps I mentioned, but in some cases, consider herbs initially. And that is all I want to discuss regarding anxiety. I hope you learned a lot and I look forward to seeing you in the next episode. Thank you for listening to the Save My Thyroid podcast. If you haven't done so already, make sure you hit subscribe to stay up to date on the latest thyroid health-related topics. And if you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a review. Thank you so much for tuning in. In a future episode, I'll discuss how antithyroid medication can have a negative effect on the gut microbiome. This is according to a study that looked at the impact of both methimazole and PTU, and it showed that these medications can cause an imbalance of the gut flora and disrupt the intestinal barrier. I'm bringing this up because this episode focused on anxiety, and gut dysbiosis can be a factor in anxiety. So if someone has anxiety that's caused by elevations in thyroid hormone levels, on the one hand, taking antithyroid medication can help with the anxiety by lowering the thyroid hormone levels, but on the other hand, it might also further increase anxiety by disrupting the gut microbiome. As I mentioned in an earlier episode, there is definitely a time and place for antithyroid medication, but this is still something to be aware of. I want to let you know about a product called Hepatomune Supreme, which is a unique supplement that has a rare combination of N-acetylcysteine, also known as NAC, milk thistle, and schisandra to support the liver. And it also has a few mushrooms that can help support the immune system, including cordyceps, which has both immune modulating and adaptogenic properties and is great for those with Graves' disease and Hashimoto's. To learn more about Hepatomune Supreme, visit savemythyroid.com forward slash liver support.